This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was introduced to Chris by someone with the Ions Association. He thought he'd be a good person to have on the show. So Chris and I had a couple of conversations. Uh, I picked up his book and read it and was just, like I said, really interesting um, life that you've led and you know your near-death experience is, is uh, something that changed your life a lot so let's let's talk about your life tell us how how things started out for you uh well basically it all started like at pretty much six months old um I was thrown in a dumpster by my biological mother and she didn't want me and stuff so she ended up just throwing me in a dumpster some lady found me in a dumpster because they heard me crying and that's how I was taken away from my mom. So I guess that's when my battle with rejection had started, you know, because um, then from there it was just, I went from home to home to home and stuff like that. And people didn't want me at these homes and I always felt like rejection. Like I wasn't like a troubled kid. I just, you know, I just wasn't wanted. So that caused a lot of depression that I had and um, suicidal thoughts. So um, pretty much that's where my depression came from up. Uh, it lasted a long time, even in high school. Uh, well, actually, not really high school because I was real popular in high school. Yeah. But right, but after high school, all those suicidal thoughts came back that I yeah. had before. When I when I read your book, I was just like, um, I guess, really just blown away by the like you said the the level of of, of rejection and things you went through because it wasn't just your mother; it was your family, your aunts, your extended family, your grandmother. Um, and, you know, I, I, without going into a lot of detail, because there's a, there's a lot there, but when you said you faced a lot of rejection, you, you faced actually some abuse. Um, and that, you know, led to, as you said, suicidal thoughts. And um, so when you when you think back about that, how does it make, how do you feel about that? I feel like... That was basically the root of my near-death experience right there was just, you know, the rejection that I had. I couldn't go anywhere where I had peace, anywhere where I was wanted, anywhere. So it made me think of things about myself, like what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong, you know? Yeah, um, so you you went through this. Um, you're obviously a very resilient Man, I mean, you, 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 you always kept bouncing back. Uh, I was impressed by, you know, reading your story about how you, you were resourceful um, and got by, you know, and everything. But you were dealing with these issues of, you know, rejection, which led to your eventual uh, suicide attempt, which led to your near-death experience. So tell, tell me about, you know, the, the, the story around the near-death experience, around the suicide attempt. Okay, so for those that don't, or those are watching this podcast, I don't really know who I am. I basically am a suicide survivor. I attempted suicide about seven, eight years ago. And um, I did that by jumping out of a car. The reason I did that was because I was real suicidal, depressed and all that, like which I was just saying. Mm -hmm. um, basically, I'm sorry, can you sort of like reiterate that question that she just asked? 
Well, what I was saying is, I just want I want people to kind of know your story. So we talked about, you know, we talked about your your history as a child and the rejection that you went through, which led to the depression, and then the suicide event. You know, I like to talk about that attempt and and the near death experience that came out of that. Okay, so basically, what ended up happening was out of years of planning my suicide, I just basically said, F it, I'm just going to do it. You know, forget planning. I'm gonna, I had a lot of ideas and it took years and years to plan up yeah. until I was like, what, 23, up until I was like 26 or something like that. I think the thing froze. Uh, yeah, hold on a second. Pause the recording. All right, we had a little te technical difficulty there, but we're back. So we're talking about your suicide attempt. As you said, you had kind of planned it before. Actually, you had an earlier attempt when you were a child, a, a young child, right? Right. Actually, I was eight years old, and I had cut myself for the first time in my wrist. And um, that basically didn't work. I guess I cut it the wrong way because I was still alive. So I was sort of disappointed about that at, at eight years old. So imagine you're eight years old, and you want, you want out of here already. Yeah. So um, that's what it was. But um, it's just because it started when I was four. When I was four years old, I made a conscious decision that, okay, you know what? I'm going to raise myself. I'm going to raise myself out of, to be an adult because I had no one else to confide in. I was my only, you know, I was my only person that I had. So that's where it started off was actually at four. So by the time I was eight, I made a conscious decision. Let me cut my wrist. Let me get out of here. I can't take a lifetime of this. Yeah. Uh, didn't work. So like I said, after high school, all this stuff was, you know, feelings went away. So a few years ago, I was 23, feelings came back, like suicidal thoughts and stuff. So I basically planned to just basically go to the railroad track and um, just that, just lay in front of it until a train comes and boom. And I ended up timing the times that the train came and I timed it like for months. And um, so one of these days I was walking to the train track and um, a friend of mine knew what I was going to do. So they ended up saying, um, they ended up coming actually one day when I was right by the train track and they were like, get in the car, get in the car. Cause I just happened to leave their house and I was walking to the train tracks and they just had a feeling that they knew what I was going to do because they mm -hmm. knew I was vital and they knew how I was going to leave. Yeah. So, yeah. So they came and I just see the car behind me. I heard the, the horn blowing. They're like, get in the car, get in the car. So I got in the car. And at this point I haven't spoken to my mom in years. So um, I ended up talking to her ironically like that same day and she was she called me and said my grandma gave her the number so she can call me I thought she's gonna like maybe say I'm sorry some right. type of thing like that but no she was just basically saying I don't want you you're not my son don't claim me as your mom uh I never wanted you and my grandma used to tell me the same thing like we never wanted you I never wanted your mom stuff like that so when she said my grandma gave her my number, I'm like, why the heck would she do that? You know? Mm -hmm. And um, so basically as I'm talking on the phone while I'm in my friend's car, I ended up, my, when my mom tells me all this, I'm not your mom. I don't love you and all that. I just, and she said, I'm, I'm not your mom. And I said, well, you never were F you, you never were rolled down the window, tossed out the phone. And then I just looked at my friend next to me because I was in a passenger seat there in the driver's seat. So mm -hmm. I just looked to my friend next to me and said, and I, under my breath, I said, F this, opened the door and jumped out and hit my head on the concrete. I guess my face also hit and body hit the concrete. I don't remember any of that. But mm -hmm. the only thing I just do remember is the back of my head 
hitting the concrete and then I heard this like muffled boom sound and um that's when I left my body and I looked up and was like wait because that before I even left my body I thought I just fell and I was just like oh that hurt mm-hmm. so then so then I got up and then I and something kept telling me like I wouldn't get up I wouldn't do this if I were you I wouldn't do that if I were you so I look like down and I'm like wait how am I here standing up? But then right here, I see my body. That's just weird. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to walk home now. <laughs> I'm going to go get something to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Not knowing I was literally dead, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I took like maybe three steps, two, three steps, and poof, I'm like, I'm in this void. And then that's when God basically comes to me. I felt God's presence. And when it's God's glass, God slash source, you just mm-hmm. know who it is. And basically, I thought I was going to burn. I thought all the stuff I was taught in church, I was going to burn in hell and all this stuff, killing myself. I'm like, I didn't read the Bible before. I, I killed myself. I'm going to burn now. But um, what ended up happening was God just basically got on his knee, gave me a hug. And, you know, I felt his like arms like around me like tight and mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I didn't want him to let go. Mm-hmm. And he told me like, I love you. Uh, so I'm just like, and then he's like, you know, you're good enough and all that. I thought I wasn't good enough to be in God's presence. I'm like, why am I in your presence? Like, okay, let me just leave you here. Let me go back. Let me get perfect. And then I'll come back to you and talk. Like right. that's how I was. Well, this I'm is like, the religious like, background you're brought up with, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Let me just go and I'll come back and, and I'll come back to you, God. Like, I promise, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So he's like, no, I want you now, like how you are now. And I felt like all these mistakes around my body. That's hard. It's, that's, it's, that sounds weird, but mm-hmm. I felt like little blemishes all around me, like certain mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, no, you don't want me. You don't know. Let me get rid of this and then I'll come back and we'll talk. And he's like, no, I want you now, like how you are. And um, I just felt him, I just felt him like get on his knee and give me a hug. And um, he's like, I want you, I love you. And then I'm like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do if I'm going back to earth? You want me to, what am I supposed to tell people? They're gonna think I'm crazy. And he says, okay, I want you to go and tell everyone that I love them. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, you're not gonna tell me a chapter of a verse in the Bible to read to people and stuff? Like, like, I want you to tell everyone that I love, go and tell everyone that I love them. Mm-hmm. So that's all. So he gave me a hug. And he's like, ask me, do I want to meet my guardian angels? I said, no, I didn't believe in them at the time and whatever. So he just kept talking to me, tell me how he loves me, how, mm-hmm. uh, oh, he also said, I'll go to the end of the world. So everyone is with me. And I was like, wow, humans can't make up this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, so basically, poof, then I'm midair, and then I see my guardian angels. Literally, I see these people. I see my guardian angels. One on my left side is like a beetle creature that's like maybe five to six feet with wings that are wide. Hmm. And this one kind of had like a stern attitude. It was like, are you sure you want to go? And I was like, uh, this one was kind of mean. So I looked over at my right angel. Hmm. This one was like more human than anything. And he had like a red shirt, a red flannel shirt with the uh, sleeves rolled up to his elbows. And then like this brown curly hair. Mm-hmm. And he had like blue jeans and sandals. It was weird. And um, 
and he was about maybe nine, eight feet, six to nine feet tall. And so I remember looking at his foot and I was like, wow. I'm like, if you were to step foot on this floor, like the whole, my, half my city would blow up. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're too much, we have too much light. We can't, we're not allowed to step on the earth. Hmm. So I'm like, wow. And then he's like, yeah, we're your guardian angels. And this one was nice. He was like, yeah, like the sweetest personality, more patient with me and everything. And he tells me, he goes, you have so much to do for so many people. And I didn't get it at that time. But um, I'm like, me? What, what am I supposed to do? Like, what the heck? Like, I'm a suicidal person. Like, my whole life sucks. Like, what do you want me to do? But you know, he's like, we love you. And then he tells me, look down. And then this angel on this side also tells me, look down. So I look down on my body and I see myself just lying there. And I'm like, wait a minute, how am I literally there? And I'm here at the same time. So, uh, so they said, no, look again, you need to see this. So I looked down again and it was like a zoomed in camera. They zoomed in. So my friend that I was with in the car off to the side, then I see the paramedics over this way. And then, yeah, that's when I, um, yeah, it's all coming back to me now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like, how am I here? Like, and I'm looking at my body and they're like, well, you need to see this right now. And just looking at my own body, just laid out. I'm dead. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dead. Like, but I'm still here. So yeah. you need to tell me that this stuff really does happen. Like there's really life after death. Hmm. They're like, that's, yeah, life's life after death. And they told me, and it's like this one, the like kind of strict one on this side, he kind of had like that attitude where like, why aren't you working? But more, like more like, why aren't you spiritually working? You know, mm-hmm. like, why aren't you helping people? Why aren't you loving people? That was mm-hmm. his main thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. And um, so basically they told me just go back. They left it up to me. They asked me even, do you want to stay or do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, okay, I guess I'll I'll go back. It took me a while, but I'm like, you know what? You guys are right. I have a lot of people to help. I'm gonna go back to Earth. Boom. That's when I was asleep, I guess, and I woke up a few days later in the hospital. And that's like when I woke up, the first thing I seen was the nurses, and they were like, "Oh my God, the miracle, the miracle! We thought you were gone." Yeah. Yeah. So I was, of course intensive care or whatever and yeah and they were like oh my god we thought you were gone we didn't know you know so yeah they said i've been gone for a few days yeah so there was one part of your experience that I, when i was reading your book that i'd like to go back to you talked about how you know you felt like you need to be perfect in front of god but th- there were some videos that god showed you right oh yeah, yeah. okay the part where God was showing me videos, he basically was showing me like this video of like this skateboarder dude, like with blunt, with like blunt or joint in his hand, just on a skateboard, just skating. He's all like, I love him. Then there's another like prostitute girl walking with like prostitute clothes. And he's all like, I love her. Then you have like this other like mean dude just walking. He's like, I love him too. And just certain people I'm seeing, and it was like a movie screen videos he's showing me. And he's like, I love all of them like the same you know mm-hmm. he didn't have favorites and so he and then i was like well what about and i was going to ask about like the devil or the evil one but just before i could say anything he kind of just like points to the left and i look way to the left and there's like this like creature wrapped in chains and there was a snake wrapped around him 
Hmm. And then he's like, like, don't worry about that. Like, that's not for you. Okay. Like, yeah. you just do what I say and tell everyone that I love you. Yeah. So, so you got your mission. So, um, I want to talk about, I want to ask you this because I, I, I talked to a lot of people that had near death experiences and I want to ask you about your, you know, your life. And it was, you know, I think we could say it was rough. I mean, reading, reading your book, I'm like, you were treated like Cinderella. I was talking to my daughter the other day, she was home and I was talking about your book and I'm like, you know, you were, you, so how do you feel? Do you feel that like that was, was it, is that soul planning? Do you believe in soul planning or how do you feel about your life prior to this experience? I feel like um, prior to the experience. Yeah. Just like I said, just really like I was scared. I was really scared. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought I was going to burn because of the stuff that I was taught in church. And yeah. We seen people that treated me the way they did. We were still in church every every day and almost of the week, like Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Like we were always in church and stuff like that. So yeah. At this point, like, I really honestly didn't care what was going to happen. I just said, whatever happens, happens, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, so you have this experience, this, this near-death experience, and, you know, so a lot of times when people have near-death experiences, they're changed afterwards. I mean, they're profoundly changed. And, right. And, and you were. I mean, so talk about what, how, you, how your life has been since then. Well, since the NDE? everything has changed like literally um my guardian angels told me to empty your mind of everything you've ever known we're going to teach you what you need to know they told me that um a little bit after i got out of the hospital and i remember because it took a while to get my speech back because when i would try to talk like my tongue would get stuck when i would try to say a word i couldn't really walk that well because i was even wheelchaired out of the hospital when i left so i couldn't even walk that well um so it was like and I couldn't smell for it. I couldn't smell, I couldn't taste, none of that. So that's when they told me, we need you to empty your mind of everything you've ever known. We're gonna, mm -hmm. we're gonna teach you what you need to know. So everything started changing. Like they started really saying like, maybe certain words that I say, the way that I say certain words, the way that I walk, the way that I talk. They, they taught me my seven energy fields, my chakra fields. And this is just coming from them and like, there's so many things that change. Like even when I go outside, I might see the plants and the trees and the sky. And I'm all like, what's up trees? What's up sky? Like I see them like actual like people, you know what I mean? Like I see yeah. them as actual like beings. Like it's not, oh, that's just a stupid plant. It's it's a lot different to me now. Now it's more like, hey, that's a plant. Like, you know, love your plant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's, um, you know, Animals some people dismiss their death. Go ahead. No, I was just saying animals, the same thing too. Like I used to say, oh, it's just an animal. And now I'm like, oh, it's an animal. I guess they have a, a personality too. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm always fascinated by near-death experiences. And some people say they're just, you know, they're just figments of your imagination. It's, it's just a it's imagination of a, of a dying brain. But one of the things I think that's evidence of near-death experiences being real is how profoundly people are changed, you know, after they come out of them. And yeah. In your case, uh, I think one of the fascinating things is your angel communication. You know that that you're still in touch with your angels, and I love it. Yeah. So talk well, about how they how they're a part of your life now. Well, now they basically I, they're my best friends. I ask them for everything. Like, well, not everything. There's certain things I don't ask. Certain things I'm like, let me figure this out on my own. 
But uh, like there's certain things like maybe I'll say, hey, let me do this outfit. Let me wear this outfit for there. Let me let me spend my money on this or that or that. Like right now, they're teaching me about like money management, how to basically don't spend your money so stupidly just because you have it, like that type thing. So I didn't really, I couldn't do that by myself. And they're sort of starting to help me on that. So you have to basically be open to listen and take mm-hmm. their advice on things. So like with the money management thing, right now, like my opinion, my my mind is starting to get open on that. Uh, things they've taught me, like even with these uh, chakra fields, the energy centers we have. I mean, there's a lot of things I talk about. There might be something I say, I want to walk this way to go to the, to the store. And they might say, no, let's walk this way to go to the store. You know, like, so it's just certain there's a lot of things like I'll say, well, maybe let me eat this pizza and they'll say, no, maybe you should eat the sandwich instead. It's healthier. So, or maybe I should do this. No, you should be, you shouldn't be around these people. You should mm-hmm. be around this person. Like, mm-hmm. so they really, it's like literally anything you need advice with, they, they help you. Yeah. So, um, and so do you, would you say we all have access to angels like this? Oh yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody, not just one person is better than the other. It's where, oh, they have angel communication, they're gifted. No, I believe in my heart that anybody that wants to get a hold of their angels can. So, um, and I read something in your book. Um, you talked about how the angel communication, how we can differentiate that from our own from our own thoughts. Because when you said the angels communicate with you, you don't yeah. still physically see them. And you're not no. hearing them in your ear. Um. It's more telepathy. I feel them here in my heart, and then I hear them in my mind. Yeah. So if another entity, because there's a lot of, it's like, get, keep in mind, there's a lot of entities that roam the world. So other entities might come and say something to me, but it's just like me talking to you. If someone came to me and said, I'm Brian Smith, I'd be like, no, you're not. I just talked to Brian Smith. Uh-huh. That's what it is. So if somebody comes to me and said, oh, I'm your angel, I'll be like, what? No, you're not. You're a whole completely different person. Uh-huh. You just know the difference between who's talking to you. And if it's my if it's my angels, I know exactly which one is saying what. Yeah, I really I when I was reading this, because I'm you know, I'm trying to figure out okay, how do I get in touch with my angels too? And I and I just I just interviewed Trisha and she's got angel communication. So I always I'm always yeah. asking, how do I do this? Right. So I, I really like what you said about and you just said it there. It's like First, you feel the emotion, you feel it in your heart. And when you feel it in your heart and you hear it in your head, that's when you know it's your angel, right? Right. And that, I would think that would be true of other, like our other loved ones that are in spirit too. Um, like my, my daughter is in spirit. And I, when I feel like there's a time when I feel that, I can, I can feel her with me. And then I, you know, I hear her put thoughts into my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. That's exactly how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and you talked about the angels, like their daily part of your life. You were saying they, they helped you with your, your, you said everything from your posture to the, to the way you walk. To They help me at work. I mean, if you have like, I work with special ed kids and there might be a time where a kid might just, just act out and you don't know what's going on with them. They're just flipping out and stuff. And because I remember one good time, one of my angels were like, take them outside and let them feel on the walls. They might want to feel things. So literally, I took this kid outside while he's just ah, ah, screaming and crying. I took him outside, and I just had him feel on the walls and just sat there. He felt on the walls, and he just had his eyes closed, and he's just listening. So while he feels it, and he, mm-hmm. it calmed him down. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's stuff that you're not taught from people because you don't get trained for these types of jobs. They're just basically like you test and then they're like, okay, you pass the test, you're hired, go out there. You know, it's like they don't train you on this stuff. It's stuff you figure out. So a lot of my training came from my guys. Yeah. And from, of course, other people that I work with too that have more experience than me, but mm -hmm. a lot of it came from my guys. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, 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 you've had this you know, this incredible life and, and you had the thing with the, with the near death experience and the angels. So what would be the message you would say to, to people that are saying, you know, what's the purpose of me being here? Um, why am I going through the things that I'm going through? Um, what would you say to people that would ask those questions? I would say I was like that too. I didn't think I had a purpose, but I realized, oh my God, I have a bigger purpose than I ever imagined. And that's to help people and spread love. I'm only one person. There's a lot of many millions and billions of other people in the world, in the world who need, who have the same responsibility, but they're not aware of it yet. I truly believe everybody in the world has a certain talent. Some might be music, some might be writing, some might be art, some might be, there's so many different talents that we have, something that you're special in and you shine at. And there's some reason you're supposed to use that gift to help other people, to, to spread love, to help other people remember exactly oh. where we came from, to remember that, hey, we are loved. And there's many, and especially like my main, I guess target audience that I really want to get through to is the ones who've lost loved ones and the ones that are suicidal are the ones that are lost people to suicide. So mm -hmm. me being a suicide survivor, I want basically to, to get the message out of like suicidal, like awareness or like suicide prevention. Like I, I want to help as many as I can and yeah. I'm only one person, so I can only do so much by myself. So I also need, many other people to help me with that. So what would you say would be the reason for your wanting to leave? Does it, did it because you didn't fight there was a purpose or was life too painful for you? Oh, I feel like I had no, no purpose to be here. I felt like, wait, why am I here? Why am I going through all this stuff and I'm still here while other people are living all good lives and they're successful and they're happy and they're this and that. And I'm like, so what, when is my happiness gonna come? You know, but. I, I felt like there was no reason for me to be here. So I said, forget it, I'm out of here. And that's the main reason I wanted to leave. Yeah. But uh, this experience obviously changed that for you, right? All 100%. Yeah. So you're, um, you've written a book. I want to actually talk about your book because I didn't do a good job of introducing you with the book. Uh, it's called Boom, uh, The Life and Times of a Suicide and Near-Death Experiencer. And it's by Chris Batts, and that's Batts, B-A-T-T-S. Um, and I, it's a, it's a, it is a gripping tale, I will say. It's, uh, re you know, reading your book, I'm like, I'm so impressed with, you know, um, like I said earlier, your resourcefulness and your resilience going through what you went through. And I want people to understand, because we can't go through all the book right now, but when you did decide to, to take your own life, it wasn't something that was like, you know, I'm having a bad day. I mean, you, you went through a lot that, you know, oh, to, yeah. that, to that point. Um, but I, you know, what I see looking at you, Chris, is the, the amazing purpose of your life and the people, like you said, the people that you can reach out to now and the lessons 
that, you know, God brought back to you? Because I think a lot of us feel at times, you know, why am I here? What's my purpose? People that haven't gone through things like you've gone through. Uh, why is God allowing these things to happen to me? Um, I deal with a lot of, uh, you know, parents who have lost children. And, it's, you know, it's the most common question, you know, why did this happen to me? Um, why me? Yeah. Yeah. Why me? Yeah. But um, what you've, you know, what you've told us and what you learned through your experiences, we, we have a reason to be here. And we're, and God, even in spite of appearances, maybe sometimes, because it's like, well, God must not love me, you know, because I'm going through all this, right? But, um, you know, God made it very clear to you that, you know, you're very valued and, uh, and you do have a, you know, a place. So I think answering that call um, is just, it's really amazing. So, um, you know, here, I'm sorry I missed you at Ions this year. I was actually trying to get to Ions myself, but uh, maybe I'll catch you there next time. Hey, Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah. So um, overall, um, what would be your, you know, if you had any final thoughts about you would want to leave with people, what would it be? Uh, You are loved, and the reason you're here is to love others. (laughs) I mean, that's all I could say. You're loved, and your mission here is to help people remember that they are loved. That's the most important thing. And if you ask any type of near-death experiencer or spiritual person or whoever, you don't even have to be a near-death experiencer. You know, like just anybody that's awakened to God's love and stuff like that. You're basically your job is to help people remember where they came from, which is love. I often say that love is all we have, and that's the most important. Thing in the world is that 